Is there a difference between being trained by someone and training with someone? Or are you just a master purely by association? Kia ora, welcome to the Invisible Sensei podcast. My name is Tuari Dawson and for the last four and a half decades I have practiced the martial arts in both the indigenous Māori traditions of Aotearoa, my home, and in the wonderful arts of karate, kobudo, and jiu-jitsu. But more than that, I am a fan of all martial arts and martial artists. So here are some of my own thoughts on the subject, as well as interviews with some great sensei and instructors from around the world. And lastly, it's something of a cliche I know, but do me a favour and click the link in the description for our merch shop, as well as other ways to support the podcast. It really does help. Also, check out our YouTube channel and follow us on Instagram and Facebook. If you like what you hear, please share our content. Again, it really helps us to continue to create content we believe in. And remember, it's not what you say when everyone's listening, it's what you practice when no one is watching that makes all the difference. I was part of an interesting conversation the other day and I was talking with some friends who practice martial arts and um, by far and away senior to me and uh, one of my friends was or is, was, is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner who's had opportunities to train with some of the Gracie family. And um, I was sort of saying to him, well, what's it like to train with the Gracies and to be, you know, to be trained by the Gracies and, and these people that are such legends, just in martial arts in general, and arguably, probably the biggest promoters of realistic training in the martial arts scene, full stop. That's just my own personal opinion, because I know that Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and the grappling arts, in particular judo for me, and uh, sambo, and all those sort of things that have kind of come to the forefront in the last few years that were a little bit niche and a little bit, I guess, um, not as prominent as some of the more popular striking arts, really has been a massive game changer. Anyway, so I was talking to him, what's it like to be trained by them? And he made an interesting point. He said, I didn't, I wasn't trained by them. I was in a group that was being trained with them. So there's a difference between training with someone and being trained by someone. So I was reflecting on that in my own journey and my own experience in terms of karate. And there was a very famous Gojuru sensei, which I had an opportunity to train with. Uh, and, you know, like people who know me well in New Zealand and people who know that I've had this experience or had that experience have oftentimes talked to me, oh, what was it like to, you know, to be influenced and to be trained by this particular sensei? And out of respect, I'm not going to say his name. If you know me, you know who I'm talking about. And I would, I kind of had to sit down and think about it because there was part of me that was kind of like, wow, that is kind of cool to have that association, to be able to say, yes, I I've, I've, was trained by this particular sensei. And I think, irrespective of the martial art you're doing, there's judo, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, Muay Thai, whatever it is that you're doing, whatever it is that I've done, there is always a influence, shall we say, a colouring of my perception. When I'm training with someone that I really like and really can go, wow, that's amazing, I walk away and there's an influence. Sometimes there's an influence 
in terms of going, hey, that's not how I want to do martial arts. That's not how I want to proceed, and which can be just as important. But my point here is that I think there's a lot of people that mistake being trained by someone for training with someone. And I would say that with this called Jiru Sensei, I, as I said, I wouldn't say that I was trained by him because that implies a personal relationship that just didn't exist. But I think certainly my interactions with him and having opportunities to spend some personal time with him, I was certainly influenced in a big way. And I found, shall we say, goals that I wanted to achieve physically in terms of emulating some of the principles that he was such a master of. And in the last few years, I've sort of seen that happen, especially with Okinawan Karate or or Karate in general, where people are talking about they are the holders of a a particular lineage uh, and a particular way of doing Karate. And I think that 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 may well be true, but I think... You have to make the distinction between being in a class that their teacher is teaching or being taught one-on-one or in a personal sort of situation. Uh, sort of situation. I hope that makes sense. God, that was a terrible way of putting that, but you get what I mean. And um, so I think for me, like I have students, there's people who train with me and there are people who I train. So training in a class with me is not being trained by me, it's being in a class. And it's not to say that you don't get things from me or I don't get things if I'm a student in that class of a particular sensei. But I think there are some people who are content to allow people to make associations that are not, let's say, completely 100% true. So a few years ago, I was lucky enough to go and train with the incredible... Uh, Taira Masaji Sensei and very very lucky in that I was invited as a guest and it was a great seminar and if you're trained with Taira Sensei you know what it's like you come away and your mind is kind of blown and I know for me it was four or five hours of just it got to a point where it's just information overload but there were some important themes that I walked away with that sent me in specific directions now, that's not to say that I consider myself a student of Taira Sensei. I had an opportunity to be in a seminar that he was teaching and came away with, I guess, seeds. And how you plant those seeds and how you water those seeds and how you grow may be completely different to the original intent. But I think that's healthy. I think that's what martial arts is all about, taking things in a specific direction. Um, I, I was talking the other day about... Um, Dariush Sensei, who's the owner of the wonderful Satori Gi manufacturer up there in Aurora, Canada, in Ontario. And I absolutely love this gi. Just can I just say that's not a plug. I'm not sponsored, but they're beautiful gi anyway. I digress. And I got to spend maybe an hour, two hours talking with him about karate because his dojo is just off to the side. Beautiful dojo too. It's just off, this, off to the side of his um, shop. Now he's a super experienced judoka. His karate is excellent. Kobudo, uh, swordsmanship, yei, yei jitsu, yei do, all of those sorts of things. He's an archer. And I would sort of describe him as a bit of a renaissance man even though I I don't really have a huge uh, relationship with him I enjoyed those two hours and I 
remember him talking to me about the relationship between Ashiburai and Suryashi, sort of the gliding feet and, sw- and sweep techniques, as they apply to karate. Now, that was in October last, in, in October, what was it, 2022, and now we're into 2023. And I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, the, the things that he talked to me about and the points that he made was such that I, I think of them often when I'm hitting the makiwara or just practicing here in the dojo by myself. I'm still working on those themes. But I have to say, I was not taught by uh, Dariu Sensei. I wouldn't count myself amongst his students because we didn't train together. I had an opportunity to listen to him. So I'm not going to walk around saying, oh, we know I, I was a, I'm a special inside student uchideshi of Dariu uh, Sensei, which would be, um, to put it, to, not to put too, too fine a point on it, would be absolute bullshit. I think that it's okay to be influenced by these people and to be really clean and clear about it. You know, it gets into that whole importance of lineage. And I think lineage is extremely important because I think it is a great way of thinking about the roots of your training and the roots of why you do what you do. But I also think that it's important not to be bound by those. I'm sort of sort of starting to stray into Bruce Lee territory here by saying do not be bound. <laughs> but you get what I'm you get what I'm talking about. Martial arts should teach us something about realism. But when I'm talking about realism, I'm not talking about realism in the sense that uh, you know, fighting technique. I think, you know, that's a kind of a given. And I don't think the dojo in with a flat floor and in loose, comfortable clothes um, with a compliant partner is the place to learn about combat realism. But I think when I'm talking about realism, I'm talking about being realistic about myself, how I represent myself, how I put myself out there. Of late, I've been struggling with a little bit of depression and a little bit of anxiety because I've got this knee issue, which has been plaguing me for a while, and I've kind of been feeling less than 100%. But the realism that kind of comes with real martial arts training, or my martial arts training, I don't know if it's real, or anyone else could describe it as such, is that I have to go, okay, well, what's actually going on here? Well, I'm worried. Depression tends to be an inability to let go of the past. In this instance, it's about what I used to be able to do. And anxiety tends to be about, for me, not being able to control an outcome. So if I can accept that I can't control the outcome and I stop comparing myself to who I was, then all I have is the now. And that's what I'm trying to be. So I've been working with it, swimming and stretching and doing doing all these sorts of things. And I think that's the realism, that's the truth that comes from martial arts. There is a massive difference between training with someone and being trained by someone. At the moment, I'm training with my knee, which is probably a badly torn meniscus, I'm told, by uh, medical professionals. But we're waiting for scans to see. But... What it's teaching me about myself is invaluable, and I'm really, really lucky to have that opportunity. I know that kind of sounds new agey and so on and so forth, but if you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, I'm really lucky I've got some great friends of mine in the UK that often drop 
messages to me and talk to me about you know what they're going through with their bodies. Now, I didn't understand before hitting 50, well, to a certain extent I did, what the betrayal, you know, when people say, oh, my body betrays me, um, now I understand. Now I understand. Now I understand what that actually means. And I think that if we can find a way to train with perceived, shall we say, weaknesses, um, then they have so much to teach us. And if we learn not to be limited by our perceived weaknesses, then that's an important lesson too. So who are you being in your training? I get so tired of people talking about things which don't have any bearing on training. Um, people talk about, well, I'm from this lineage, I'm from that lineage, and so on and so forth, which, look, that is important stuff, but it's not the most important stuff. Talk to me about how you're getting by with your bad knee. Talk to me about what you're doing in this kata. Talk to me about how you apply osotagari in a karate sense. How do you do a good heel hook? How do you, I don't know, well, you, you get the question, fill in the blank. So decide who you're being trained by, decide who you're training with, and try and find that realism when it comes to training. Because I think if you can take time to really listen to that voice, I think there is a world of possibility and a treasure chest that you have not yet opened. And I encourage you to because you might find a tiara. <laughs>